0: is empty except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can the sun has gone down and the moon has come up and long ago somebody left with the cup but he's driving and striving
1: and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for whom he still burns he's going welcome to, to talking giants presented by john boy media i'm your host bobby skinner here with my co-host justin bennick some people in the chat right now are just seeing me do take two i tried to do the intro totally screwed up here we are Justin, we got ourselves a mailbag voicemail episode, so I'm gonna hit on the big topics. Um, after a loss, it's we don't have you know 30 questions, you know, mailbag questions and voicemails <laughs> to go through, so it's a little less stressful this episode. Where last week we were, I had to use like three sh- like sheets of paper to put the rundown on. Now it's you know it's a half and very spaced out. Well, Justin, what's going on, man? Weird energy around
2: this week. Uh, we we put out some. YouTube videos this week. A lot of YouTube videos really centered all around the offense, and I think we've done a good job uh, dissecting it. And then going to Mailbag, where Bobby, for the last month, for literally the entire month of November, we were winners. And our Wednesday episodes were, how are we going to fit everything in? But we're also going to have a a crap load of fun. Weird energy surrounding uh, the vibe of this episode right now. I'm doing well. I'm excited to have a little time off from work and to finish off the the season strong for the Giants. So, um, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing alright. I mean, we haven't had a like mailbag episode where we're talking about a loss in, you know, 40 days. 40 days. So, yeah. I'm doing alright. Um, we've hit on Garrett a lot, so we're not going to talk about Garrett a lot today. Because, if, honestly, if you don't know where we stand on that right now, you... You haven't been paying attention. I just doubt this is someone's first time listening to our podcast. Um, So I'm doing all right. Do you, what do you think about, I, before we, you know, I know this isn't a preview episode and it's not a question, but are you gaining confidence back and like, are we going to beat the freaking Browns? No. Me?
2: <laughs> no, because Bobby, it, it always rested on the offense's ability to move the ball down the field. And it always rested on, if Daniel Jones was able to conquer the offense. And that's kind of... We we even use that phrase even stemming back to Monday's show. Um, but unless we can see that the offense is starting to consistently move the ball, um, explosive plays, putting more points on the board,
1: no. Because we could keep the Browns and the Ravens to a combined 20 points. How about that?
2: You always feel confident with Joe Judge. Um, like, I, I don't just feel just not hopeful, and I I do want to watch the football game. I'm looking forward to watching the football game, and that's not like last year where December 15th, 2019, we were both on FaceTime today uh, reflecting on, you know, one year ago today, it was Eli Manning's last game ever, and it was his last home game. And at that point in the season, and specifically the content season, you know, Bobby and I, we were doing both different shows, but we were just done. We were so done talking about the team. We were so we were so done just watching it. Um, Eli was the best part of the way to end that season. So
1: at this point last year, this year, we, year we is were a totally different a nine five. game losing streak. That was so brutal, and the ninth game was on a Monday Night Football where Eli returns. They take the lead and they blow it in <laughs> overtime. My gosh, that was brutal. Um, so before we get into mailbag and stuff, this episode was brought to you by Jonathan Binder. How do you how hmm. do you spell that? Real quick, last name, Binder.
2: Well, I would think it's two Y's. I'm going with two Y's. B I I N D E R. Uh,
1: Binder. B Y N D E R. Mm. Maybe it's Binder. I had a friend named Bender, and then there's Bender from the um, Futurama. Danny Lefty. Do you think that's his real name? Last name is Lefty. I hope so. Paul Ross. My lawyer's name. Is Paul Bros? How about that?
2: Are we both not fans of the TV show Better Call Saul? We discussed. Yeah, we this. already
1: did that. So you got to be mad. We won't do it again. But my yeah, lawyer's sorry. name is Paul Bros. Um, his dad was just running for mayor. Or no, he was running for judge. Uh, wow, that's big. And then Brandon Domgalski Brandon Dma What's going on, Brandon? Who are these sons of guns, Justin?
2: Wow. Wow, we are a gun violence podcast. Very interesting and fun names this week, so I appreciate all these wonderful people that went to patreon.com slash talking giants. I always say backslash, and I think that's wrong.
1: I just, it's just unnecessary, even if it's right. It's stupid.
2: (laughs) I like saying backslash, and now I can't even say it, so now it's in my brain. Patreon.com slash talking giants. Doesn't feel right. Um, and you go and you'd give us $2 a month, uh, to just support us, but also you get some behind the scenes things like you get a, a free magnet from Bob. Well, technically it's not free. You get a magnet from Bobby. You get entered into, uh, uh, shirt raffles two times a month and you get to watch the shows as we record them. So you don't have to wait until they released on the podcast apps, Bobby. Um, we got some mailbag questions. We got some voicemail questions.
1: Yeah, let's send it to our good friend who – he's been a little bit in the news because they're going to be doing a playoff game on Nickelodeon, so that's that's interesting. But anyways – Wait, I
2: have something interesting about that. I have something interesting. You know how I was watching the commercial for it, the the, the video that the NFL Update account put out? Um, I hate that account. Uh, yeah. Well, they yeah. just steal
1: everybody's work.
2: Right, but the video that, they, that he put out, don't know where it came from, which, again, that's bad on me for not knowing exactly where that came from, and that's the first place that I saw it. But – I saw that there was a a split second where they were showing like Legos. They almost looked like Legos and it was like Patrick Mahomes running with the ball. What I think they're gonna do, I think they're using NFL next gen player tracking data to create those like holographic graphics of of the actual like replay of a certain play. They're using the player dots for NFL next gen sets, and then they're gonna create them into Legos. That's my theory. I think it makes sense, and I'm kind of excited for that one thing.
1: I want to watch Nick at Night. All right, take it away, <laughs> Steve.
2: Mel time. The mail's
3: here. Come on, bye guys. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me wanna wag my tail. When it comes, I wanna wail. Mail! All
1: right, thanks, Steve from Blue's Clues. Justin, let's get into the mail.
2: First things first, we have a voicemail from Liam about Daniel Jones.
3: Hey guys, uh, it's Liam calling from Chesterfield, New Jersey. Uh, not really a question, but I just wanted to talk about the Giants fans that are all high on Daniel Jones one week and then the next week they're saying he's not the guy. Uh, I just don't know how you guys or uh, how Giants fans could say that uh, he's not the guy after just. Uh, after just two years with with not an, a really not an offense that's built around him uh think about this saquon barkley his best best offensive player on the team is out for the year uh Darius slayton is not a number one number one wide receiver so he still needs to get a number one wide receiver for him so he doesn't really have that guy and then our receiver that creates the most separation and in evan ingram has more drops than he has games played so uh, like his best <laughs> receiver is that his receiver that is really bad Miller, the way
1: he's saying can't even catch the ball. And then, most importantly, he, he this offensive system is like the worst possible uh, offensive system uh, for a quarterback like him and his play style.
3: Like, I, I'm just not big on Jason Garrett. And uh, I just think if we do these things, improve, uh, get a number one wide receiver, get Saquon back healthy. Uh, hire a new offensive coordinator next year to, to get the offensive system where he's most comfortable in and maybe even build that o-line uh in the draft the mid rounds of the draft uh he'll improve i think he could improve and uh i just don't think that people should give up on him when he hasn't been giving a fair chance uh i know you guys are big jones supporters or, or uh think the same thing like that uh, he should be given an opportunity so i just wanted to let you know I'm like on board with that, and I I think I think you're right. You know, can't can't let him can't doubt him out before he hasn't even given the right opportunity.
1: So that's good. All right, thank you, Liam, for um for <laughs> calling in. the the thing messed up. Thank you, Liam, Liam, well, for calling in.
2: Well, Liam, when you put it that way, yeah, <laughs> he really listed it out there.
1: There's a few sides to this. He's right when he talks about you know one week the guy's good, one week you know. Look at things from a whole. Look at things from a whole. Now, that being said, a lot of what Liam's saying, people would use, like, okay, so he needs a perfect wide receiver, a perfect offensive line, a perfect scheme to succeed, and that would be the point against Daniel Jones, and it's a fair and valid point. Here's where I'm at with Jones, because Jones wasn't, like, uh, because we are very anti-Garrett on, you know, what well, we have been, but that wasn't excusing Jones from this this past game. He had bad moments in this past game. Um, Our issue has always been that with Jason Garrett that if less you're converting every single downfield concept because it's very few and far between and every miss like wrong read just gets shown worse because this it's an offense where you just there's no you can't you have to be perfect you have to execute it at the right time right like it's got it you got to be perfect and that's always been our thing or at least my thing is I don't need everything to be perfect around him hell. I was not get. I was not even using offensive line as an excuse to start the season, even though he was the most pressured and most blitz and most sack QB to start. And he's still probably right around the top three right now. I I don't use that as an excuse, even in some of the bad games. The receivers, their talent level, I don't use that as an excuse. Yeah, the the separation isn't good, um, and he could a, a number one wide receiver would help him a lot. But my main thing is this system is not who he is. And I thought Dan Duggan, who I think is more fair than anybody on the beat, said it perfectly. He said, you would have liked to see them do what the Bills did with Josh Allen and just played through his struggles, played to what he does well, instead of playing afraid and coaching afraid of that. That is what they have coached him because, because of the turnovers in his rookie year. They have coached afraid of those turnovers, trying to squeak out every game with defense. And to me, that is a very, you know, penny-rich-dollar Poor mindset. Because right now I have a big, fat. I don't know about Daniel Jones. I loved his rookie year. I wanted to see him build on it. I wanted to see him build in a similar system where he was reading from deep to short, but getting to the check down quicker when it's there. You know, um you know, f- fixing the fumbles. But they've totally changed it all, and it's just this isn't who he is. So if even if they moved on from him this year, which they probably won't, it would suck because it's like we didn't see what who he is. We have this year. We have not. To me, I have not seen who Daniel Jones is because this offense is not an offense of an offensive coordinator who likes Daniel Jones, and it makes me worry that maybe Joe Judge, Jason Garrett, don't like Daniel Jones. They don't want Daniel Jones to be the future guy, which I guess could be damning on him. But I am a guy who does like him, and I pain. It pains me to watch him play in this. This is not what he does. I, I really do like. I feel so bad for the guy that he has to play through this, and to me. I haven't learned anything about him in year two. I haven't. Yeah. You know, the turnovers have went down, but, you know, when he does throw deep, he's literally the best in the NFL. Literally. But they don't do it. And in a game like this last Sunday where they do it four times, he only converts one, which isn't crazy. It looks like they didn't have any big plays because they won't right. instead of converting three out of four like they've been doing, it's one out of four. Instead of making maybe throwing in, four or five more of those, like Pat Pat Shermer did, where sometimes it was 10 times more. And it was like, okay, yeah, there's some bad stuff, but let him work on the bad stuff. You don't think this kid's smart enough to fix the bad stuff? I think he is, man. And that's what's frustrating. I I feel like I don't know. I haven't learned anything about him in year two. I really haven't. Yeah, he's gotten better at the fumbles, even though we just saw a three-fumble game. He's gotten better at the fumbles. The turnover, the interceptions are down. But honestly, the interceptions are down it's because he's hesitant in this offense. This quick concept, he has become hesitant, and I don't blame him. I don't blame him one bit for being hesitant in this offense because when he wasn't in the beginning of the season, it led to turnovers. It led to uh, everything popping the ball up in the air. I showed a play on Twitter today where it's like, this play is going to get intercepted. We do it every single week, man. And I wasn't even planning on doing this rant, but the more I talk about it, I get so frustrated. <laughs> That we I haven't learned a single thing about Daniel Jones in year two. Not a single thing. And it's just frustrating. This isn't who he is. Throwing eight touchdowns in 12 and 12 games. That's unreal. Andy Dalton has more than him. Dak Prescott in four game in, in four and a half games has more than him. That's unreal how low that number is. From a guy who is on pace to set the rookie record. You look at Justin Herbert and his twelve games or or however many, it's basically the same as Daniel Jones. And people are talking about how Justin Herbert's the best rookie ever. And we've just seen it. This is not who he is. And it's it, it is so frustrating. I don't I feel like I don't I haven't learned anything about him in year two.
2: The main critique that was coming out of the anti Daniel Jones camp in year one, outside of the turnovers, was this is at least in my opinion from the perspective of someone who likes to look at numbers and then respects other people who looks at numbers. It wasn't his, uh, it wasn't his intermediate accuracy. It was actually his deep ball accuracy. He, he produced in the deep ball game last year, but there were some things that were still to be desired in terms of Daniel Jones throwing the ball deep, especially when he's throwing it towards the sidelines. Bobby, for the large part of the second second half of this year, when the Giants started winning games, in the rare times that the Giants have thrown the ball down the field, he's produced, and he's been totally accurate. And it's been, whether it's uh, a Darius Slayton drop or you know just a dive of a fingertip short, he's been accurate. He has been extremely accurate when throwing the deep ball. His main critique coming out of the draft was the lack of arm talent, you know? And he has, frankly, the one thing that we have learned this year is that Daniel Jones can throw the deep ball with some sort of consistency, and the whole thing is that you want to see it more. He can be accurate when throwing the deep ball. That's the one thing we have learned when, frankly, that was the second biggest critique of his after his rookie season right behind the turnovers, which naturally you would hope turnovers from rookie quarterbacks, those things are going to be things that naturally improve um, unless you're reckless like Jameis Winston, where I don't think Daniel Jones is as reckless as Jameis Winston. No. However, this Jason Garrett offense, because there's nothing open, he has to be sometimes reckless and force the ball into areas, hold the ball for long area for long uh, for long periods of time because there's just nothing available. And you saw that against Arizona, it's
1: reckless in low risk situations. Yeah, I I so. I remember after the Pittsburgh game. Well, I said that interception on the long drive. I said, I don't mind that because without his mindset, they don't get down the field. And I remember after that first Steelers game being like, I actually like the game plan. I thought they needed to get the ball out quick against the Steelers team because of, you know, the edge rushers of Watt and Dupree. And I was like, now that I, I remember saying after, like that's a one game game plan. Now let's go back to the the way things used to be. And it's, you know, I I, I just spent 20 minutes basically ranting i just feel like i haven't learned anything about him
2: i would agree and it stinks because you know year year two and year three are supposed to be the big jump years you know and especially when you want to maximize the rookie deal uh quarterbacks are not making it onto their fifth year of their rookie deal anymore they're signing their long-term contracts after four years so if you draft a quarterback in the first round, sometimes you don't even have the luxury of that extra fifth-year uh, team option uh, when you draft a quarterback in the first round. So it's just a shame. It's a shame that this—I don't want to say this year's a wasted year because it's not. Because you have Joe Judge, and there's a lot of good things that are happening here. But in terms of the offense's development— and I'm not saying this year is a wasted year because you don't have Saquon Barkley. Not saying that this year is a wasted year because Darius, maybe Darius Slayton is hurt and he didn't take the step up that we thought. Uh, Golden Tate has taken a step down as a wide receiver. Evan Ingram is not who we wanted him to be when he's healthy. Sure, that's not the reason why. It is because the scheme is not – and who knows? Evan Ingram could be a much better football player if he is in a scheme was. that actually <laughs>
1: – He was. He was.
2: So – He was. I was fine with the way Patrick used him.
1: I never, I never once complained about the way he Patrick used. But I don't want to go back into the. No, I don't want to do that. You know, it's a weird dynamic because I like Joe Judge, but I, I I hate Jason Garrett. Right. But you know what?
2: Long story short. Long story short. I think your point of tell us the things that we learned about Daniel Jones in 2020, and obviously, a lot of people will say, "Well, he still fumbles the ball and he still throws interceptions." Well, we told you why. Some of those fumbles happen. We told you why some of those interceptions have happened. We've shown the film. And even when you're, if you're just listening to us on the podcast, we're trying to break down the situations in which those interceptions happen the best that we can. It's not just his mental errors and him you know, forcing the ball when it doesn't need to be forced in there. He's forcing the ball into a tight space because that's what the scheme is telling him to do. Um, so long story short, what did you learn about Daniel Jones in 2020? And Bob, And I think, Bobby, you said it perfectly. We've learned very little. And that stinks.
1: Yeah. Where it was supposed to be a year of like, hey, with the aggression, can he learn when to check it down? And I thought he did a pretty good job towards the end of last season of doing that. And I think that was why you saw Caden Smith kind of like the reason why we had a, a very positive view of Caden Smith going into this year, Justin, was more because of Daniel Jones re- like working back in the middle of the field. And, you know, obviously, some there were some shots taken with Caden, but not a lot. It was a lot of and coming back to him and, and going through his progressions. All right, let's 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 move on, though.
0: Hey, Talking Giants, it's Eric in Naples. The day after the game, decided I was too frustrated to call yesterday. Uh, I'm going to take a different uh, platform here, and I just to talk about how the Giants perform at home. I didn't look up the past, but since we left the Meadowlands, we're still at Meadowlands, since the new stadium has been up, we don't play well at home. And, you know, forget the COVID thing, but, you know, we have another year where we don't win home games. I don't know what it is. I mean, we did put the white pants on yesterday, but it didn't seem to matter. But we don't win at home, and that's sad. We really just don't. I mean, look at a team like the Saints. They're such a tough out because they win eight games at home every year. So I don't know how we get that magic back that we used to have, but we just don't win at home. And uh, Jason Garrett's got to go. We all know that. Daniel Jones, I'm going to give him a pass, but he, uh, he was awful. And I'd like you to talk about. Ask you a question after the after your last uh, video after the game. Did they expose something in Patrick Graham's defense? Why were there so many passes, six, seven yards? off the line of scrimmage in the middle of the field, wide open the entire game. Is that a lack of a pass rush, or is that a different type of scheme where our linebackers are doing something wrong because we've been good in coverage, but we were awful. And I know we bend, not break, but this game hurt. This game feels like it could be the end of the season. But uh, we'll move ahead on to the Browns. Thanks, guys.
2: You can hear the sorrow in Eric's voice. Usually he's we're really... hearing a nice victory. It's, and uh, he he's telling us how he's flirting with girls at the sports bar. So it's a uh, it's a tough tough scene for Eric this week. He usually calls on a Sunday. This was a this was Monday, Eric, not Sunday. I know,
1: Eric. I like Sunday Eric a lot, better. I'm just being honest with you, Eric. <laughs> um so the home field thing. We just so we lose yeah. everywhere. So I I think that to me that answers that question. Or if you're also, another Giants there's... podcast, the stadium's way too damn gray. Uh,
2: well, well, I also believe that, but I don't, I, I don't say it as much as they do. Um, but it's why they
1: lose two years in a row. They started zero two, lost to the Saints in two thousand
2: eighteen. I, I will say, with the whole gray point, the stadium lacks character. And I, you know, is it because the stadium's gray? You know, it has nothing if to there's one on the thing field. that, yeah, no, nothing. If there's one thing that MetLife lacks, it's, it's character, it's grit, and that's what the old Giants Stadium had. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just the legacy of. Millions of fights that happen, so um, I don't know. But Ben Baldwin, somebody who Bobby doesn't like, but I do. Ben Baldwin recently put out a little graphic about the home field, like home field advantage, and how it's dwindling in the NFL this year. It's very much dwindling now, simply because I, I think this year home field advantage is very non-existent because the majority of the stadiums do not have NFL fans in them. But even in 2019, there were similar. Trends and numbers about away teams winning in opposing stadiums. Um, so that w- it was even the case last year when there was fans in the stadium, where it usually fluctuated in years past with mainly home teams were winning games. 2019, it was basically almost 50-50. And then definitely in 2020, it is around 50-50 split. So that is something that Carl Banks and Bob Papa talk about on the radio all the time. All the time they talk about the Giants can't win at home. The Giants can't win at home. The Giants can't win at home. So if you value their opinions, they talk about it all, all the time. So it does stink, especially if you're a regular season ticket holder. Because you pay a lot of money to see the team win.
1: Um, With the defense, really, I think it's it's a lack of a pass rush, a lack of a true pass rush led to other things because we're playing a guy like Kyler who runs so often. And you saw Kyler wasn't breaking off big runs. But they were they were worried about Kyler taking off and running, which means linebackers can't really turn their zone coverage into man coverage, on underneath routes. So it was a lot of just kind of, you know, sitting in your zone and sitting and waiting. Um, and they just they weren't able to get to Kyler quickly. Not the defensive yeah. tackles; they looked hesitant because they were worried about him, breaking contain and 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 making a big play. Um, but I actually think it somewhat worked. You know, like I get they scored 26 points. But they were put in so many bad situations.
2: Yeah, Bobby, how many offensive plays did the Cardinals run? Yeah, <laughs> they ran a lot. And when
1: they did, it seemed like every time they were starting at the fifty-yard line. So I, I don't yeah. think it was as bad as it as it looked. And like the the touchdown to Dan Arnold was basically like they did a cover zero blitz, and Logan Ryan got caught uh, sneaking. Uh, Logan Ryan got caught peeking into the ba- into the into the backfield. And they threw a touch, and Kyler threw a touchdown over his head, which we talked about on Monday. Was is a perfect example of a, if it works, it's the greatest throw of all time. Yeah. If Logan Ryan doesn't uh, screw up his coverage, it's an idiot throw, and you should have just kicked and scored three points. And it's it's the Pittsburgh, Ste- it's the Daniel Jones Pittsburgh Steelers throw. That's that's what yeah. that throw was.
2: <laughs> yeah, except Kyler Murray's just a little bit more athletic, and you had a tight end who was a lot. You know, bigger going up and getting that ball in the back of the I'm end zone. I'm saying this is so, similar of concept. No, yes, yeah, it, yeah. So, um, there there comes a point where the team is running 70 plays on offense. Bobby, a lot of people like to talk about, oh, you know, in, in the NFL, if you impose your will in the run game, you're gonna you're gonna get it. You're gonna get an opposing defense worn down throughout the game. And while that's true, I also think even throwing the ball um, 50 times out of 70 times uh, that will get it wear a defense down eventually too so I think that's what you saw you saw a defense that was really worn down and it was they were allowing the chunk plays in the second half first half they were not allowing those chunk plays when it was actually a football game and when it was a close game um but by the time it was was, even the Giants when they were trying to sniff an opportunity to get back in the game in the third quarter after that Golden Tate big play and then uh um who scored a touchdown for the Giants it was it was a was it Dionne Morris, Lewis. Gallman, Deion Lewis? So oh, good. I saw someone
1: try to call themselves a Lewisite. I mean, speaking for Alfredite Nation, and I'm sure Gallmanite would nation would say the same. Stop. Just stop it with that.
2: But mainly with the defense, um, you're gonna you're gonna allow chunk plays if you're on the field for 70 70 plays in a in a given game. It's that's it's a tough spot to be. Also, the difference between this Kyler Murray led uh Arizona offense and Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is always constantly looking for opportunities 15, 20-plus yards down the field. And there were actually some throws where Russell Wilson missed in the intermediate part of the field. Guarantee you this week, it was a part of that game plan of, oh, look at Russell Wilson, look at how there was just nothing available for him down the field. Kyler, your main opportunity is going to be in the middle of the field and the intermediate part of the field. They're going to leave it open for you. Take advantage of it. And in the second half, uh, that he did so good for him.
1: Yeah, and like there was one play, like you said, over the middle of the field. It's like you get enough time, you can you'll find that hole in a zone. And I don't think it's like oh that's Patrick Graham. They found the hole in Patrick Graham. It's just honestly that if you get enough time, that hole is going to open up for for yeah. any 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 defense. So.
2: And you can't win with these running quarterbacks, Bobby. Because if you blitz them right and you bring that pressure then what, they scramble they scramble away, and then you have less guys on coverage. I would have liked some more blitzes,
1: the, though, to be honest.
2: Yeah, the Gi- and the Giants, you know, the problem with the Giants is that now they're really emphasizing their interior defensive linemen, so what those guys do is they collapse the pocket. They're not necessarily coming in raining free and, you know, uh, causing a bunch of havoc with a mobile quarterback, um, but when you have a guy that can slither and slide and run around like a hamster, I call Kyler Murray the hamster, um, when you have a guy that can run around like a hamster back there when you're, when you're prioritizing interior defensive linemen as pass rushers versus edge rushers, it's tough. So,
1: tough. Tough. All right, next voicemail. Next voicemail.
0: Hey, Bobby and Justin. It is Ben. I'm calling from London, um, England, in my bedroom. Nothing special, I'm afraid. I uh, have two quick questions for you. Firstly, and we all know he won't, but if Patrick Graham gets uh, picked up as a head coach, could you guys see Matt Patricia coming to be the new DC? You reckon JJ will bring him over to the Giants. And secondly, what is America's obsession with stats? You guys have stats for everything. Like over here, stats are just not really that important. But Americans love them. Let me know what you guys think. Go Big Blue. We'll bounce back. First place, pod. We'll be coming back soon. Cheers, guys.
1: Here's a stat America beat England in the Revolutionary War by thirty points as a thirty point underdog. How about that first stat? Frickin' piss me off from England did he did he ask why America is so obsessed with stats? No, I'm I'm I just think, kidding him being obnoxious. I
2: think I give I think I give if if Ben Ben in London I'm sure Ben in London is very familiar with American culture because that's what that's what us as Americans do. we just we just shove down our culture in everybody else's throats whether we like whether they like it or not because our games have um,
1: nuance. It's not just goals and assists.
2: Wow. Wow. I'm I being really like offended. See- I like
1: soccer, but I'm 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 just gonna answer this question as an obnoxious American. Here's a stat back to back World War Champs. Wow. Didn't like England help us? Yeah, but it's like I said, I'm being an obnoxious American right now.
2: <laughs> obnoxious American. Um, I would like to see the next gen player stats, uh the player tracking data stats in soccer. Like that imagine like if well, they they have to track how much they run per game. They do. Like their they heartbeats do. like some, some that's, miles. That's insane. I uh, guarantee you, they they get more beats per minute um, in about a thirty second span than I get in out of an entire six months of the way that I work. I play so.
1: JV soccer. You know.
2: Wow, what were, were you? You couldn't be anything but the goalie.
1: I play defense. Wow. You must erect people. I did. I used to play with my football cleats, and I would take the front – because you can't have the, the front spike, so I would just take – I would yeah. unscrew the front spike, and I would – I did, you know, play – I was like – I played a little bit of goalie, but um, when I did – like, at first, like, I, I started at goalie in practice, and there was just someone who was better than me. But I would never – I would never um, drop kick it. For the most part, I would just – I would just curl hop the ball to wherever I wanted to go. Like, I would never oh, drop yeah. kick it. I would always throw it. Um, but, I, I mean, it was fun. It was just—it was a sport I didn't care about. It was good conditioning in the off season. I like you said, I would just—I would just wreck off people. season.
2: When? It's a—it's a fall sport. No,
1: soccer for in Florida is a winter sport.
2: Wow. And it's, it's well, I can imagine people would die. Like people would actually physically die if you played soccer. I know that's the when I went to Florida.
1: Minnesota. I was like, "Well, you guys are playing soccer now." Um, and what I <laughs> realized—two degrees in Minnesota. It's—it's it's when I stopped playing basketball because I just got so sick. If if you're not on a good coach basketball team and you're a center, it's just a point guard just dribbling around. Like your only points come off of offensive rebounds. You get like two post touches a game, and it's like you're doing all this. And not, and I was just like, I don't. Want, I, I'm over basketball. It's like I'm I'm over averaging, you know, eleven and eight. I'm I'm over it. I'm am I'm, I'm, I'm wow. over having to just get all my points from offensive rebounds. I'm over guards fighting with each other every week. I mean, it was dysfunctional. And my goal. school. Did not allow you to play varsity basketball. If you played varsity basketball, you weren't allowed to play another sport. So it was like I was never going to be able to play varsity basketball. I wouldn't have been. Our basketball team was real deal top of the nation. My My junior year, our point guard, Ben Evan went to Alabama um, the year that uh, – well, he was supposed to go to VCU, and then um, Shaka Smart went to Alabama, followed him there. And then the shooting guard was the top scorer in Florida, best three-point shooter in Florida, Kwame Osborne. The three went to Texas Southern, I think, which is D1. The four was Will you get and I know we have some Florida Gators um, listeners. He was part of that last Final Four Gators team. He was the starting four. And then the five, Ty Armstrong, went to Alabama. Um, and then like all the other guys like played at like other college schools. So I would have never played anyways.
2: Yeah, so Bobby, maybe there's a reason why they didn't use the center.
1: <laughs> yeah, but the <laughs> J V the J V team was dysfunctional regardless. Oh. It's like when you came to that school, you either played varsity or you were never going to play varsity. Nobody moved up from JV to varsity at that school.
2: The guards wanted to be like the other guards. Uh, it's 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 again. I, I'm using the word tough a lot. It's tough. One
1: was name is Ralph. I mean, he was really good. His name is Ralph Williams, but he just he averaged like 30 points a game, and it's like Ralph. He was really good. So you know, I am the center complaining that the other guys are scoring, but it's annoying just having to get offensive boards all the damn time.
2: Hey, you're a big ego
1: guy. What I mean, come on.
2: What do you have to say? Um, is Matt Patricia going to come to the Giants if uh?
1: There's a position that opens up. I don't know. I I, I don't. I, people have talked to me like at first I was like Matt Patricia could be a real candidate, and then people have gotten in my ear. I mean like no, he was really never that good in New England. He was going off Bill success, and I I really am am turned off by the way the stories that came out of Detroit on Matt Patricia. Yeah, Not to, and this isn't like I want to do research on him before I say you know say yes or no. Um. So if if Patrick Graham does, you know, I'll I'll do my research on everybody that's you know um interviewed but right now i would say no i
2: would agree i would agree um definitely feel like a patricia bringing on patricia would almost be similar to bringing on james betcher because he was successful with uh what's his face um todd Todd Bowles. Bowles. yeah kind of kind of similar vibe um beggars can't be choosers but has the same vibe to it Paul Nonus asks a mailbag question. Paul Nonus is one of our smartest listeners, and he's also one of our uh, one of my favorites. I will say, uh, Paul Nonus, do you think that the Cowboys or Eagles will also be in the division race come Week 17? Now that they are both coming off of wins, Bobby Skinner, I'll hand this off to so you. So I
1: put it together: the Washington six and seven, we're five and eight. Eagles four eight and one. Dallas four nine. So for us to win the division, and let's just say, let's play it like. We're not going to beat the Browns and Ravens. Let's just say that. Let's not be Giants fans. Let's say we lose to the Browns and the Ravens, and we beat the Cowboys. That'll leave us at one and two, ending up at six and ten. Washington would have to lose out. They'd have now they this could happen. One, because of the teams they're playing. Two, they may be playing Dwayne Haskins. And he sucks. Yep. Seattle this week. Carolina the following week. Carolina is probably a game they'll be favored in, but Carolina can beat them. And then the Eagles in week seventeen, you would have them to lose. And then we would be tied at six and ten. Right, probably with Jalen Hurts. Yeah, so that's that's interesting with the Eagles. For the Eagles, they would have to lose this week first. Arizona, Dallas would have to beat the Eagles. Dallas would have to pull that out, and then the Eagles would have to um, beat Washington. Okay. And then Dallas would. Who did
2: the, who did the Eagles play this week?
1: The Cardinals. Okay. Okay. The big one would be them losing. They would have to lose to Dallas and beat Washington. And right. then Dallas would have to lose to the Niners, beat the Eagles and lose to us week 17. And that puts us and Washington both at 6 and 10. And then um the Eagles and the and the Cowboys would both be 5 wins, The Eagles with the tie obviously. That's how we would win it by by going by chalk for the rest of our schedule. But if we win two more games and get to 7 and 9, I think we'll win the division.
2: I think that's If fair. we go
1: 2 and 1, that means Washington goes 1 and 2. I think we'll win the division, so we got to steal one against Cleveland or Baltimore. Damn!
2: Damn. I wish we were playing. I wish we were playing Baltimore this week. With how he I mean uh, Lamar Jackson. I mean they they looked fantastic last night. They put a whole bunch of points up on the board, but with how uncertain Lamar Jackson has been just health wise, I kind of I kind of want to play Baltimore this week.
1: Yeah, Lamar. People were just saying he pooped his pants, and there was no proof of that. Like, and I I thought like I thought I had missed the story because everyone's just like, yep, he pooped. And then <laughs> and then I went and looked. I was like, this is not confirmed at all. And then after the game
2: People make inferences people make inferences based off of the way that people run. Um, but it was spoken as fact. Like I I, hey, I I thought I had missed something. Some people adamantly believed that that's a poop run. Like that's not a cramp run. That's clearly a poop is in the pants, poop is on the way run. And those people that gather that evidence and they spend their time investigating that. You know, I, I kind of trust him.
1: All right. Attack the ankle. All
2: right, next we have... We have a voicemail about Mara and then a mailbag from Jeff Boyd. So let's play that voicemail first.
0: Hey, guys. It's Victor from Running PA again. Uh, I know I'm a little early, but post-day frustrations over the game. I think the Giants need to get rid of Jason Garrett, it was a terrible signing... I know that everyone blames Dave Gettleman for all of our troubles, but when are we going to hold the Mayors responsible for doing this to us? I mean, I feel like they kind of enable the bad out of um, Dave Gettleman, and also they were the ones who brought in Jason Garrett. I don't think that was a judge signing. I know you guys have talked about that on the podcast before. I just think that the Mayors are getting too easy of a pass here when I feel like Partially, some of the things that have gone wrong this season are on them. What do you guys think?
2: I think Victor brings up a great point, and Jeff Boyd asks a similar question. Boyd at the Boyd Wonder. There you go. When Garrett is ultimately relieved of his duties, do you think the Maris and Tish families will intervene in the next hire? Um,
1: man, I do think I I I'm gonna give my mayor speech. I don't hate I don't hate the Maris. I just don't. I think they're willing to learn from their mistakes. They've got to be right. They've like I I, you know we've I've done the whole thing of like you know do the timeline of it is you win, you know you get Jerry Reese you win two Super Bowls with him and Tom. And then Tom like you you, you move on from Tom but you keep Jerry, and you're like well you know if it, you you won two Super Bowls with him like I don't think they even wanted to move off from Tom really, um but to, and that happens. And then you bring in Ben McAdoo, then you fire both of them, like you've clean house. Then you go in and you bring in Gettleman. Maybe had some impact on the twenty eighteen um offseason. Uh, I don't think it's as much as people infer, but maybe they had an impact on that of giving Eli one last run. Like admit like I don't I will never blame them for being loyal to Eli. I'm sorry, I won't. I would rather them be loyal to Eli to a fault than be the Chargers and be an organization that everybody hates. You know where, like you know, former players hate that organization, and then this past season they did. I don't know. I don't know. They screwed it up again. I. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like they are willing to try and learn from their mistakes, though. Like I don't. Th- I don't think John. I think John Mayer is a humble guy. I just he's a, he's loyal. He's he's his loyalty is his biggest fault.
2: Yeah, I think the fact that you're intertwining family and business where you have Chris Mara, who's running most of the football operations. Um, You have a lot of people that have been in the organization for a very, very long time, like since even like the George Young days, people that are in the organization for the Giants in like the front office. And you can argue that if you agree with that, which I don't know these people that are in the front office. There's not a lot on them. I mean, what you can do is you can evaluate the decisions that the organization makes. And ultimately, I'm of the opinion where the Giants need to find somebody. And if that guy is Joe Judge to get this started, then great. The Giants need to find somebody where the football people can run the football side of things. And John Merrick can be an owner. Because it is clear. It is absolutely clear, in my in my opinion, When Mara makes the decision to bench Eli Manning, he signs off on it, he cowards because of the fan reaction, brings him back, and then ultimately goes away from any kind of plan of rebuilding to give him one more shot at it, I think that is an ownership decision, and not interviewing anybody outside the building. I think all of these certain things are merit decisions. And the, uh, Victor referred back to this, a conversation that we had with uh, Jason Garrett, how that's more, how why we think that is a merit hire. It's because... Jason Garrett has been linked back to the Giants since 2014. And I believe 2014, 2015, that is when Jason Garrett signed his, his, his latest extension with the Cowboys to be their head coach. When Jason Garrett's job has technically been on the line for half a decade (laughs) as a head coach with Dallas. Um, and he's been linked to the Giants since 2014, since that shutout that we had in Jacksonville, where Tom Coughlin absolutely just got embarrassed and the Giants just got embarrassed. So, um, Mare's fingerprints are on the organization. You can't fully say definitively, but his fingers his fingers are on the organization and not in a good way.
1: The hope and the realistic hope is like, hey, he sees what Joe Judge with Patrick Graham said. So Joe Judge, go get your office coordinator.
2: Correct. That's that's the long story short. And I that think is he will hope. do
1: that. I do think if they move on from Garrett, I do think I think that is one hundred percent what they will do. Like I don't think that's me trying to be an overly optimistic fan. I just think they'll see what happened and they'll like, hey, Joe Judge the same way he did with Patrick Graham. Um, And it's interesting. You know, we found it kind of interesting when Patrick Graham um, was named the assistant head coach and not Jason Garrett. And then I remember one person said, um, you know, this Jason Garrett heart It's so important because if Joe Judge gets COVID, Jason Garrett could be the head coach. Remember remember that?
2: That was the take. That was the take. (laughs) It's
1: like, he's not even the assistant head coach. What are you talking about?
2: (laughs) I also don't think, you know, we were were talking about this last show and I posed a question to you, Bobby, about... You know, are we afraid that, let's just say Joe Judge does get free reign of hire of who he wants as offense corner. Are we worried that he would bring in somebody like Garrett, where very ultra conservative and, you know, pound the rock, blah, 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 blah. I know know you're not really concerned about pure rushing attempts, but, and I'm not either. Because if you have the lead in a football game, I don't care what you do. Run the ball 50 times if you have the lead in a football game. I would love that. But nevertheless, if Patrick Graham is Joe Judge's guy, and Patrick Graham really does play and scheme defense in a way that very much does reflect the NFL today, where it's keeping everything in front of you. It's not allowing deep explosive passing plays. We're not putting, you know, all, we're not putting seven guys, eight guys in the box at one time to stop the run. We're not. We're relying on our big guys up front to stop the run, and then everybody else is playing back. And I don't think Dave Gettleman is also, and I, you and know, I know some people are going to maybe you get a little mad at this with me with me as well and I don't think Dave Gettleman is a complete dummy when it comes to positional value I think since the 2018 draft and since taking Saquon a lot of his picks have been understanding positional value this includes taking the quarterback at six when that was even debated should the Giants even take a quarterback because they had Eli Manning and even taking a cornerback in the 2019 draft it didn't work out But prioritizing secondary, signing secondary guys, getting guys on this football team that can play secondary in the NFL, and getting a decent amount of depth, that's also been Dave Gettleman, and that is very forward-thinking. So um, I'd like to think that if maybe if Gettleman and Judge had their choice without any input from Mara on the offensive side of the ball of who they would want to bring in, that it would be good. That is what I would like to think.
1: Yeah. Although Joe Judge, it, I'm i my, my big worry is that Joe Judge has way more of an impact on this offense, you said on Monday than we realize. That's my worry. Now there's reasons why I don't fully believe that, but it is yeah. it is a worry in the back of my mind. All right,
2: Tom Brady. Let, let's also let's also remember that you know there's a reason why Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. And yes, Tom Brady is very very good, but also it's because Tom Brady throws the ball. <laughs> you know, Tom Brady is not a guy that's going to it. And off the ball 35 times a game in New England he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time because he's a very good thrower of the ball and that is where Joe judge comes from and hopefully he sees that that is also a recipe for success uh, and this like isn't even the
1: Tom Brady when Psa Tom Brady's system QB QB like they went through so many different systems in New England depending on their personnel yeah. I mean think about the you know the 07 year but that's my thing which is like you know with the the Mike silver thing saying like you know there's this error that they're doing it the way Tom Brady did well we get no yak and people's big thing on Tom Brady, is like oh he just throws these quick passes and there's a a million yards of yak. Well, we don't have any of that, so that's no. that's my saving grace is that this isn't what we're running right now. Isn't what the Patriots run? It's just not right. So,
2: all right. So uh, coming up next, uh, we have something from Tauzino at Red Yeti Nine. Great YouTube breakdown, Justin Pennick. Good job spreading awareness, responding Garrett. And here's this question: Why do most in the fan base and media appear blind to his deficiencies. Uh, I'm guessing this is Jason Garrett. Why are the Giants beat writers not interrogating Judge about Garrett's performance specifically? Thanks, we'll hang up and listen. Like how he included that even though it was a mailback question. And then the second question is from Eli Wartman. At Eli Wartman. I don't know anything when it becomes to behind-the-scenes stuff. I don't know anything when it comes to behind the scenes stuff, but there is there a way that we can have a different play designer. I don't hate when and where Garrett chooses to run or pass, but these route concepts are
1: friggin' terrible. So I think the biggest thing for anyone who's like, hey, I think we should keep Garrett is simply they want to keep him for continuity. We've we've made the argument why that doesn't make any that doesn't make any sense to me. And if you wanted continuity, I better have. Ho- I better have hoped I heard you talking about Pat Shermer staying. Yeah, it's just, and you know, we do this way. We are way more into this than ninety nine point nine percent of people. Like we spend way too much time on this team, breaking down this team. And I think, and you know, there's a some people have patience, and I and I am one of those. I am, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a patient person when it comes to developing. My thing is, I got to see something in you to be patient for. Where with Garrett, I just don't see it.
2: Yeah, and I think getting to Tauzino's question in terms of why aren't beat reporters asking questions, um, I think Zach Rosenblatt did a good job today. He wrote a really good article, and I'm not just saying that he wrote a really good article because he included um, some data that I dug up from NFL Next Gen Stats, which thank you for thank you for shouting me out in that, Zach. But why don't I think they ask it's largely because, Bobby, I don't even know if I would ask Joe Judge or Jason Garrett, like, hey, why aren't you throwing the ball down the field more? I don't even know if I would ask that if I had, like, the opportunity to talk down with them face-to-face. Because they don't answer They don't. would. Correct.
1: Ro- Rosenblatt asked it early in the year. Like, you know, Jones, you know, he's, you know, throwing down the least, you know, down throwing deep shots, least, you know, the least in the NFL. And he's like, yeah, you know, you, it just they just not answer They don't answer the question. So yeah. I think that's why. It's like they don't. They don't want to waste their time getting non-answers and they want to get some stuff where they can try and infer on for their articles, you know. Right. So Which I, is so why I, think I never would why... want to be a I, I would I never want to be a part of those. I would never want to be a part of those cuz like why am I going to ask you all these questions to not get any information? I just right. rather just go figure out the information on my own.
2: Because unfortunately right now when you're seeing um, you know, some of our some of our uh our, our good friend at the post. I think that's where he writes. No, the Daily News, I'm sorry. We're seeing our good friend at the Daily News, who is choosing to prioritize talking about uh, Daniel Jones's injury, and you could say uh, Pat Leonard.
1: We we can blatantly say that he sucks. It's okay,
2: and and also choosing to talk about the Chase Young Bowl, um as ways to get clicks. Which you want to know what good for him, you know, good good, good for him. You know, the, these these beat reporters, they're you know Zach Zach Rosenblatt makes an intentional choice to. Communicate, talk, and you know, be with the fans—the fans of Giants Twitter. He makes that intentional choice. Other people choose to intentionally be hated because it gets them more clicks. So, good, good for them. Um, good for them. That's also why, because they would rather—they would rather write about that. They would rather write about why Daniel Jones should not have played, and that was the reason why we lost against the Cardinals, rather than anything that's substantially important with this football team. So, there you go. Um, Bobby, I believe we have a a voicemail from Gordy. Our
1: friend of the program. Play the dang voicemail, Bobby. Yeah, come on, Bobby.
0: Hi, guys. uh, This is Gordy. I'm at the uh, mall in Oneonta in my car. So, uh, it was a horrible game yesterday. And I felt horrible all last night, this morning. And then I listened to your guys' podcast. And I felt better. Uh, I just did. I don't know why, but I did. So, I'm curious. How do you guys feel better after a horrible loss, like, horrible day like that? Alright, be well.
1: And then Gordy called back and he said,
0: Sorry guys, it's Gordy again. Uh, I realize you're in the middle of a pandemic and who am I to be so upset by a uh, football game? Although,
3: I am. Alright, thanks, bye.
1: Gordy is like the nicest person in the world, to me. He really is. He's a nice human being. <laughs> he's just a nice person, like a pleasant person to be around. Where he's like, "Oh man, I wasn't feeling good," and then he calls back and says, "Like, hey, like, who am I to be upset about a, f- a football game when there's a you know pandemic going on?" Gordy is the man, man. I really do like Gordy.
2: But Bobby, what do you do when you have a when you have a bad day? What is the thing that that you do? Maybe not even to like make it better. But, you know, some people, like like my friend Snacks, I think some of you might be familiar with him, he's a masochist, so if he has a bad day, uh, if, yeah, we're unfortunately friends with him, if he has a bad day, he's just gonna do things that make him experience more pain, so if he has a bad day, what he's going to do, he is going to order a crap ton, ton of dominoes, and he will just eat himself into a bloated coma of, and he gets Ajita. Like he gets Ajita. He gets like heart pain and he will do that and he will continue to suffer. So what are some things that you do if you have a bad day? I have my answer.
1: Well, when it's, when it's giants induced and we have to record after this, I will say, and this is going to sound like sucking up, but me and you, Justin have said it to each other, having the Patreon chat there for you with the episode. Wow. is very comforting. Cause it's like, okay, that here, really is here's the people who know us. They like us. They understand us. You know they think our jokes are funny. You know they're not gonna if they disagree with us. They're not gonna call us morons. Like I, I really do think that has helped. Um, so if giants induce wise. Um, wow. Regular st- stuff, life stuff. I just like to go sit by the water. I know that sounds super corny. Like both my answers are super corny and cheesy. That sounds super hippie. Yeah. <laughs> I just like to go listen to the mu- listen to music and go sit by the you know whether it's the ocean, the the river, a, a lake, or whatever. I know that sounds so corny, but it's true. That's what I like to do.
2: I am an emotional eater. Um, surprise. Um, I've been getting a lot of uh, uh, Periscope and YouTube comments about uh, body shaming. It's been really fun. Um,
1: That's why we're going to go on a weight loss challenge this offseason. Yeah, well, so, it really it's just for me. I need, I need, I need, I need competition. To be like, I have to beat Justin in this to be motivated.
2: Well. <laughs> Well, we, we can we can be competitive in other things, but uh, I that is that is the part of my life where I am least competitive right now. Um, competitive eating we can do, but I'm an emotional eater, so especially when the Giants lose, like if I go to a Giants game, for example, and it doesn't matter if I'm driving, it doesn't matter if I'm not driving, I will have a sub in one hand. Whoever is in my passenger seat, if I'm driving, they will be having. I always bring cookies, like and that's the Shoprite cookies, like the soft cookies. Um, not like the hard chips ahoy or anything like that. No, I like them soft. It's it's actually funny. They're not soft if they've been in the cold car all day, but I do like the coldness of the cookie. So my friend is sitting with the cookies open. I have a sub in the, the wrap in one hand, and I'm just stuffing my face as I'm trying not to run over glass or run over human beings as I'm navigating getting out of the MetLife parking lot. If we win, I don't eat a thing. I do not eat a cookie. I do not eat a leftover sub. Nothing. But if we lose, it's it's terrible. I I I feel bad for people that go to games with me. On a normal day, man, what do I do? I like to bowl. I haven't been bowling in a long time though. But I usually am a I'm a big bowling fan. I don't I don't know if you ever knew that about me. I knew you were like oh,
1: a uh, like a like a state champion bowling or something.
2: Yes, I am in high school. I won a state championship in bowling, but um. Yeah, it's, I haven't gone in a long time though.
1: See, bowling to golf. me is like the opposite of relaxing. It's like let's get rowdy and do something stupid, you know, let's, let's throw the ball overhand. Well, I think I think if
2: you had a bad day, because bowling is one of it's almost like golf. Almost. I know a lot golf of golf pisses fans are me gonna off. get offended. Go, golf, I hate golf golf people, people are gonna get offended. Well, okay. Well, bowling people I think you would like better because it's a lot simpler, there's less movement involved, but I think the same overall focus is there. You need to adjust to the lane. You need to adjust to, you know, how your arms feel in that day, how your swings feel in that day. So it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun, a lot of nuance, nuance in everything. Numbers, stupid
1: numbers. Stupid American. All right, next question.
3: What's up, Talking Giants? It's Joe Moyle from Hoboken, New Jersey. I'm trying to ask you guys something different because I'm sure you're getting a lot of questions about Jones and Garrett. And as you should, this offense is pathetic. Got to fire Garrett. We should never hired him. It's not our talent. Our offensive scheme sucks. It sucks all year. All right, number one, Wayne Gallman is our most explosive player. I'm not happy to say that, but why is he being spelled for Alfred Morris? Late in the game, crucial times in the game, outside the red zone. Does not make any sense. Our most explosive player should be on the field. Number two, isn't it nice that no one is talking about our cornerback two position? Isaac Yadam, two catches on three targets. 15 yards,
1: uh, I'll hang up and listen. I I disagree with Joe. I I love, and this isn't me trying to be funny about Culminates and Alfredites, I think the way they spell him is perfectly. I mean, Alfred Morris is averaging more yards per carry than Wayne Gallman. Um, and I I think they are doing it 100% perfectly. And I, I don't think Wayne Gallman our most explosive player. I don't think he's even close. I think Slayton, Shepard, Tate, and Ingram are more explosive than Gallman. Gallman is to me is just not that dynamic. Like I, there, there will be zero priority to me to bring back Gallman with Saquon as a starting running back. How many times are like, oh, if he just breaks this one tackle, he's gone. Well, that's the difference between him and Saquon.
2: Well, you know, it's a combination of, and we will we will never know this. At least we will never know this until next year. Uh, if if the offensive line is the same, and if the and if the performance of the of the offensive line is the same, but Gallman is just efficient, yes. and that's why I like yes. him. But he's and nice, as someone. And as someone who doesn't value the running game a ton, as a fan, you know I don't really value it a ton. If you just you know, just get me four or five yards a carry, I'm not going to expect you to to burst those 20, 30, 40-yard runs uh, every game. Like, Saquon, you know, I think you have an expectation that Saquon Barkley is going to have at least one rushing play of 20-plus yards. I think that is a fair expectation to come from him. Yes. Um, I guess why I like Wayne Gallman is because I don't expect a lot from him, but then he gives me a lot more and i expect a lot from saquon barkley and besides 2018 he really hasn't really given me that much i guess that's why i like him but saquon barkley is ultimately just a better football player um we'll see we'll see next year we'll see next year if the whole dancing behind the line of scrimmage thing and and constantly looking for the big for the big play we'll see if that's actually a thing because i think in 2020 or 2021 it'll be one of the first times where saquon barkley has a hopefully functioning capable offensive line that maybe they can even make some improvements and some other shifts around this offseason. So So um, Bobby, any other comments on that before we get to our final question?
1: Uh, no, not really. I mean, I like what Gallman's doing, but Gallman's, Gallman will never be a number two. Like he, to me, he doesn't fit with like, that was my always my issue with Gallman and kind of why I wanted to cut him was like, he everyone says, Oh, he needs to get some more carries, you know, to you know, be effective. Like, well, he's never going to get those with Saquon. Now that he's in right. this role, he's he's all right. He's he's effective. He's efficient. Yeah. But he's never going to get those carries with Saquon Barkley as the starting running back. And I don't think you can play, like bring someone like back. Like, if you have Saquon on a team, I don't think you can invest in a backup plan to Saquon Barkley. Yeah. There are sometimes people that complain when Saquon Barkley gets like
2: sixteen carries in a game that he should have gotten more. So do you want to sign Wayne Gallman for a multi-million dollar deal this offseason and then have Wayne Gallman get at minimum five carries a game and then you're going to get mad at the end of a game that he was taking carries away from Saquon Barkley and that Saquon Barkley didn't get enough carries? Which, by the way, Saquon Barkley, I believe his average carries per game, even on a team where we were losing most of our games... He was still, pro- I think, he was around 13 to 15 carries a game, which that's that's a good amount for a running back, like averaging carries per game. You know, if you're not if you're not the Titans, the 49ers, or the Ravens, your your running backs aren't going to be averaging a lot of a lot of ca- a lot of carries per game. You know, we're just not that offense. Yeah. So, um, you want to sign Wayne Gallman back to take away carries from Saquon Barkley, then you're going to complain after the game that Saquon Barkley didn't get enough carries. So that's that's a tough look. Yeah, I mean, um, if,
1: if Gallmanite Nation had brains, they would be, you know. They would understand that, but they don't. Whoa. Whoa. Very mean. Oh. Um, <laughs> no, we forgot. He said, at, How nice is it to have Isaac at it, him? It's really like, Oh, I, yes. I'm not an expert cornerback play, but he's not an issue, which is really cool. Like, <laughs> yes. W- was worth the seventh round pick. Hot dog at zero, hot dog
2: zero. Why is Frank the tank? This is a Knicks question not in the GOAT convo. Like, he's a better defender than MJ and Braun combined, better passer than MJ, and has better handle than Braun. He must be talking about his son. In my opinion, this shouldn't be a debate. Frankie Smokes is the best athlete ever, plus the leadership of the French Prince is unmatched by any NBA player in any era ever. He rallies the Knicks to big, important wins all the time. I would also say Dennis Smith Jr. is also a part of this conversation. Here's the thing. That was my note. That was my note at I'm, the end.
1: I'm not, I'm, hot dogs. I'm not an anti Knicks guy as a Nets fan. Um, I'm just not. But I do observe, I, do, you know, they're the in the same state. I, I do observe the Knicks. I just have never understood the the love for Frank. I just don't get it. Like why do they lo- I don't get why Knicks fans love Frank so much? I think he's a decent piece, but Knicks fans like will go to war for Frank. I just, I don't get it. Like, I wouldn't do that for Karis LeVert. I think Karis LeVert's a nice piece, but I, I would never be like Karis LeVert should be an All Star. Like, he needs to like, like, like. I'm fine with trading him. Um, and Karis LeVert's way better. So I just don't. Wasn't don't um, just... wasn't Frank
2: Phil Jackson's like last pick? Was he? I-, I think he was. I remember listening to the case show being. Phil Jackson drafted this guy to run the triangle offense, and then the Knicks fired him anyway.
1: <laughs> Phil Jackson in that triangle offense—so stupid.
2: It's almost like Jason Garrett running uh, five-yard curls to the sticks all the time, wouldn't you say, buddy? Yeah, Bobby? but
1: Phil Jackson's eleven-time NBA champ. Phil Jackson's a great coach. As a, he didn't care about the Knicks' job. Just free, just free money every year. Let's see. When was he drafted? Yeah, I, th- I do. I, th- I actually think, yeah, he might have been his last draft pick.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, people, people like, Knicks fans, they hate Phil Jackson. They despise him. But they'll defend Frank, and I, I mean, I don't watch the Knicks, so Frank, Frank could be, like, a really underrated player. That I don't really know,
1: but it seems odd. I like Frank. It's just Knicks fans are like, they'll be talking about trading for a good player and, I'm like, can't trade Frank. It's like, yes, you can. You can. <laughs> I promise you, you'll get over not having him on your team.
2: Is Frank the Evan Ingram of the Knicks?
1: No, because people don't like Evan Ingram. Frank is the... Oh, that's true.
2: Could be the Wayne Gallman, huh?
1: Frank is the Wayne Gallman of the Knicks. (laughs) That's a good comparison. (laughs) All right, that's an episode. Uh, That's all we got. All right, we appreciate you guys. Uh, We'll be back Friday for our preview show against the Browns. I'm so ready to fight the Browns. I want to fight... It sucks we didn't win. The biggest reason we like think that it sucks about not winning is I like, can't be cocky right now. If we win, I'd be so cocky, like we're gonna murder Baker Mayfield. Now, I, now I gotta wait till like Thursday to do that. So, anyways, we appreciate you guys. We'll be back on Friday for our preview show. Until then, let's go, Big Blue.